0: Welcome to the Lucas Miles Show. I'm your host, Lucas Miles. On today's episode, I had the chance to sit down with Nick Hall. Nick and I met at NRB in 2017 And Nick is an evangelist, author, and speaker. You may know him from the Winter Jam tour, where he shares about the message of Jesus with young people all across the country. He's also the author of the new book Reset, and his ministry is called Pulse. After meeting Nick, I was really impressed with his level of integrity, his passion for creating longevity in his career as really a minister of the gospel, and his vision for reaching not just this nation but also the world. On this episode, we talk about modern evangelism, the importance of finding mentors in your life, Nick's relationship with Dr. Billy Graham, as well as my past trip to Nick's home state of North Dakota, where I was chased by a drunk man, struck at by a rattlesnake, stampeded by cattle, and hit in the head with a rock by a 12-year-old girl on purpose. I think you'll enjoy it. There's a lot of great stories that come out in this episode. Here we go, Nick Hall.
1: Good to be here and excited to be introduced as evangelist.
0: You know, but you're also an author, you're a speaker, you are really a culture changer I see in a lot of ways.
1: You know, I think certainly those would all be hopeful aspirations. (laughs) I guess I am an author, wrote the book. Really, we're just trying to see this generation follow Jesus. And so Mm -hmm. we believe in going big after things that are on God's heart. We think nothing's impossible with him. And so we want to dream big. We want to pray big. And we want to fill some places up with people who are hungry for God. That's awesome. So there's a couple words that that I know are
0: important to you. One of those words is unity. Talk to me about what unity means for Nick Hall.
1: Yeah, well, unity, I like to say unity, not uniformity, right? We're not all the same, and that's a really good thing because if we were all the same, man, it'd be so boring, and a lot of times as Christians and people who are trying to follow Jesus, we like to get around people who are just like us. But I think there's something that happens when we uh, link arms with people from other backgrounds, other expressions of their faith, other styles of worship, that is actually just, we get to see the beautiful tapestry of God's kingdom. Mm. And uh, this idea of every tribe, tongue, nation will come one day in heaven. And so what does that look like to have heaven on earth? And so that's what we pray for. John 17, Jesus prayed for it. That's our heart is that we could be one as a family, loving each other, praying for each other. We're not in competition with each other. So unity really breaks down those walls yeah. and uh, we can really see that, man, we're on the same team. Your win is my win. Let's just lift up Jesus together.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. What kind of things are you doing, you know, practically through some of your events? I know you guys do, you know, hundreds of events a year through your ministry. What does that look like practically to really inspire people on a path of unity?
1: You know, I mean, for us, we really, everywhere we're going, we're trying to set a neutral table. I think that's where Pulse, uh, the ministry that we started as college kids, from the very beginning, we were saying, man, there's great campus ministries, there's great churches but it seems that it's so difficult for us to come together. It's like, if crew has the idea, then it's a crew thing. If the Baptist church has an idea, then it's the Baptist thing. And even if they do reach across the aisle and try to get people to come together, it still ends up being, well, who's the decision maker? Who's going to benefit from this? Who's taking the risk? And so when we started Pulse, by very nature, we said, we want Pulse to be a neutral entity that can set a table around the gospel and people can come together and build relationships. And so everywhere we go, we're bringing youth leaders together, campus ministries together, students together, people from different backgrounds together. In the Twin Cities, our hometown, we have an annual prayer and worship night and that drives several regional pastors meetings. A couple weeks ago we had 750 pastors come together. These guys don't come together, they don't, you know, they don't pray together. A lot of times they don't know each other. A lot of times they feel like they're angry at each other for some riff that happened four years ago over Casserole. It's Minnesota, so this is what we do. (laughs) But anyway, something happens when we come together, build bridges, God brings healing, we start to see the bigger narrative, the bigger picture. So everything we do, we're trying to build collaboration for what we consider, you know, catalytic good. I mean, we want to see the same thing. So how do we get more prayer? How do we get more people getting into the Bible? How do we get more people sharing their faith? How do we get more people being in the hands and feet of Jesus? You know, these are things that we can come together around.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Obviously, doing the number of events that you do. You know, it takes a team around you to do that. What's your team look like right now?
1: You know, my mom really works hard and I got two kids. They're working nonstop. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Mom is a huge prayer warrior, though, and been going after it. And so love that she's running. But we have 28 team members. And so, are they all based in Minnesota? Or are they all over? So, we got team members in different parts of the country. We're headquartered out of Minneapolis. We have an office in Fargo. We got team members in Tennessee. And then uh, we have had regional offices in DC and in SoCal. And uh, right now, we're opening something up in Texas. Nice. Very nice.
0: Yeah. Okay. Awesome. When you put together these events, and I know you've partnered with some pretty large music venues, music events, and things like Winter Jam in the past, tell me about some of those partnerships and what that look like?
1: So our passion as a team, I mean, I love to speak. I love to share the gospel, but we want to be more than just one man show, more than just kind of Nick can come in and give his message and that's it. In fact, we would actually say if you're looking for someone just to speak, there's probably other teams or individuals who can do that just as good. Possibly better, you know I think what we bring is we'll come alongside different ministries and efforts to add quality to what they're doing, right? So we want to come alongside and help them with a follow-up strategy. We want to come alongside and help bring ministries and churches together. We want to come together and help bring a prayer under you know foundation to what you're doing. So if you have an event that's drawing people, how do we make it more strategic? How do we get more people to respond? How do we get more of the right people there? That's kind of the thinking that we love to be a part of. And so of the 200 or events a year we do, a hundred I would say are those partnership type events where we're offering kind of one of our board members says it's it's like evangelistic services, you know. So you think of your investment guy, he says, you want this or this or this, pulse can kind of come and adapt and serve you where you are, your church, your ministries needs. And then the other hundred are events that we're doing kind of from start to finish, a process Again, wanting to see unity, wanting to see prayer, wanting to see evangelism, and ultimately just wanting to see the message of Jesus lifted up for all to hear. That's awesome. That's awesome. Tell me about, I mean, you guys are out there,
0: you're sharing the gospel, you're impacting people's lives. I'm sure you hear a lot of amazing testimonies that come out of that. Give me one or two testimonies that you've heard maybe in this past year that uh, you think might be encouraging for our audience.
1: Yeah, for sure. There's a guy out in California right now. He actually read the Reset book, which is really the story of Paul's and kind of how we started, and then just this message, honestly, that's gone viral. He's in California, he read the book, followed our events, followed what we were doing. God really gripped his heart. And this is a dad, this is not the typical demographic, honestly, for what we're doing, but God really rocked his life with it. And now this guy is leading a movement in his city. He'll say, Man, we want to see a reset right here. And so he's in a Folsom, California, which is where Johnny Cash wrote the or you know, the song in the prison there, and wow. so we figured it's time to go back to. The- the prison and set those captives free very nice so anyway god's moving there you know even here with me right now is a good buddy of mine uh yasser and this is a young guy who came to one of our events a few years ago had his life really impacted he then was used of god to impact uh, all the way up to 1200 young people in his city in maryland and then uh now he travels with me i'm trying to pour into him and uh and i'm learning a lot from him as well he's just a young passionate guy don't tell him i said i'm learning anything from him though that wouldn't be good if he heard i'm sure
0: he'll never hear this so that'll be that'll be totally Really Let's make the sure secret is safe with me. You know, so. But
1: that's really our passion is like, we want to find people who have a hunger for God, who are going after Jesus, you know? And then obviously there's the radical conversion stories. Yeah. You know, I talked about in the book, there's a girl that came that was doing self-harm, had never really gotten connected to church. And God really uh, used this event this night to really start this process of her life changing. She was set free from her self-harm. She gave up razor blades to me that night. A youth group came around her. We got her connected to some followers up and some ministry specifically for the issue she was dealing with and again this is what we're about it's about reset lives it's about people following jesus surrendering to him and you know not being cookie cutter you know we really want to see people man what does it mean to actually live out the gospel in our day and age to be unashamed of it to live differently because of our faith and yeah we're excited
0: that's awesome how about for you did you grow up in the church what's your story of coming to jesus
1: Yeah. So I was a little kid. Interesting background. You know, when you talk about unity, my family is really like a mix. So my dad's side's Catholic. My mom's side's Presbyterian. We started to go to an evangelical church when I was growing up. Went to a Lutheran high school, a Baptist youth group, and I had charismatic friends. And so really had like a really bit of a eclectic you know, mix of friendships and expressions, but I was a casserole of faith here. It really was. But I think it's really given me a great sensitivity to the differences and also an appreciation of some of the things that are beautiful about these different traditions. But for me, I was a little boy, really four years old, same age as Mm. my son is now and kneeled by my mom's bedside and she led me to Christ. I was hungry I wanted to know God, you know, and I was, I was just there and, and really like I started sharing my faith right away as a little kid, you know, Hey, if that bike hits you, do you know where you'd go if you died? And, uh, (laughs) on the baseball diamond. And this was just me, like just talking about Jesus. And then fast forward, you know, I had some guys in my youth group, some youth pastors that really poured into me. And, you know, then a few years later I'm starting to travel and preach and Pulse kind of starting as a college kid.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. When I look back even my own life, very similar story. I was a kid on the playground in third grade, telling people if they cussed that they were going to hell. You know, and yeah. it, it, sometimes zeal comes before knowledge. Yes, yes. And you don't know what to do with that passion and you don't have the the knowledge to kind of hone that. And I was I'm a recovering legalist, so that was that was back <laughs> in those days. But but no, I appreciate you sharing that. And I read something else that was interesting, I thought about your story is you actually gotta start by volunteering for Billy Graham. Evangelistic Association. What did that look like and what was your experience like there?
1: So I really was blessed at a young age, I would say, to have just some God opportunities where I just was like hungry. I wanted to learn. I knew God had called me. And I was just like, man, who's doing this? You know, as I thought about an evangelist or evangelism, Billy Graham was the only guy I knew of. Right. And so I read his biography multiple times. I think it was maybe the only book I'd read cover to cover mm. up until that point. You know, I said 19 year old. It was good. It finally happened. You know, <laughs> got that book at sticker and got my personal pan pizza. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Preach it. I can relate to that. That was, a good that was like for always me. a good Friday. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I started to volunteer with their team at crusades and events. I drove down to Oklahoma City. And volunteered there, and I was in Kansas City with them, and then I traveled overseas with them, and I've been across the country now. I kind of went from carrying luggage to putting flags on fields to, this kid's not going to leave us alone, so we might as well give him a more reputable gig. I don't know, and so I started to speak, do their youth trainings, and then uh, I ended up being the MC of their events across the country for probably three, four years. I told people I was kind of their Ryan Seacrest, (laughs) if you can go back to the American Idol days there, so...
0: Are you looking to stay connected with current events, culture, religion, and all sorts of other news? Then faithwire.com is the place to do that. Hop over there, make sure and check out faithwire.com, the exclusive home to the Lucas Miles show. Also for all things news, especially with positivity. It's so easy to get bombarded by all the negative news that's out there. And that's one reason why I love faithwire.com and why I've chosen to work with them for the launch of the Lucas Miles show. It's just a great place to be able to go and get all of your information in one place. Stay connected with the world's happenings and leave with a smile. So check out faithwire.com and make sure and like them on Facebook. And now back to our guest on the Lucas Miles show. chance to spend some time with Billy. Have you been Yeah, have yeah. yeah, spent,
1: spent some time with Dr. Graham went to his house and been around him a lot at events, but really got probably the most personal time was just in his living room. My wife and my little newborn boy at the time got to come and yeah, just ask him questions. I had a full list of questions and I was like, I'm to make the most of this. And, you know, I asked his grandson, who's a friend of mine, Will, I said, Will, if I go in and grab his ankle and say, I'm not going to let go until you give me the blessing, will that be weird? And uh, he said, yeah, we will shoot you. So I didn't do that, but uh, everything worked out. I'm still here. And it was a great meeting. I
0: would imagine Dr. Graham has to have some security around him. So yes. that's, that's probably important. You know, you touched on something that's really important for me and something I talk about at times on these shows is this idea of mentors. Yeah, I call it kind of the American Idol concept. And this isn't a thing, again, this American Idol, but you know you have everybody where they see somebody go from kind of the small town to all of a sudden on the big stage. And we live in a world where people don't just want to be successful; they want to be famous. Yeah, and they tend to, as I'm sure you've seen this, skip a lot of the character building phases yeah. of life. You know what you mentioned—you're out there serving, you're putting flags around, you're doing—you put in time to really grow in in that before you just kind of jumped up to this big level. And not everybody sees that; they just go, yeah. "How'd you go from this?" So what? Role has finding mentors played in your life, and who are some of those other mentors that have really spoken into you along the way? Much like maybe you're doing with uh, you know Yasser, as you mentioned earlier.
1: Yeah, it's been a crazy ride, and I think we all want the quick fix. We all want the immediate. You know, I want it now. And people come up to me all the time. And it's like I want to do what you do. And I'll just look at them and be like, man, you have no idea what I do. Like, I think what people are saying is I want a microphone and I want to be in front of yes, a lot of people. Exactly. And what they don't know is like, that's barely anything of what I do. The majority of it is details, logistic, leading a team, fundraising, a ton of details that most people would never want, you know, to be a part of. <laughs> right. And not to mention, as you said, it's been 15 years of grind, you know, and just being willing to go anywhere. And so... Man, I'm from North Dakota. Like, I had a lot of time speaking in front of one person or two people. One time, one time I was invited to speak at a music festival. I thought it was gonna be huge and nobody was there. And so literally it was like in this park and there's people barbecuing probably 200 yards away. I'm sure they were annoyed that somebody was speaking, but I was like, I know you hear me. You're flipping burgers. You need Jesus.
0: My first speaking engagement was for a thousand foot crutch concert. Yeah. And it was like, they came to our local area. And so I got invited to be the, you know, the local youth pastor speaker between shows and I got paid with a loaf of bread from like an artesian bakery. That was my payment for it. At
1: least it was artesian.
0: Yeah. Right. Yes. That's legit. Um, but you mentioned North Dakota and my second, I don't know if this is a funny story or not, but I did a mission trip when I was a youth pastor years ago in Cannonball, North Dakota.
1: Cannonball? And you I didn't know even know at? such a place existed. So yeah, it's like... Um, I bet their swimming pool is rock. Kind of middle
0: of the state, like almost down to South. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Uh, almost down to South Dakota. And while I was there... It was on an Indian reservation, and I had helped a guy fix his car that was one of the guys from the reservation, and he got drunk that night. I was the only person from our group that he had met and remembered their name, and so he came into like our meeting, and we were doing this outreach, screaming my name and going, where's Lucas? I'm going to kill you. They had to like sneak me out the back from away from this guy, and I got struck out by a rattlesnake. I got stampeded by cows. And I got really sick. So that was my North Dakota this experience. So like the Apostle so, Paul. You were shipwrecked. Yeah, yeah. That's a place that I'm going to leave
1: to you for evangelism. <laughs> so it's, I, I've Wipe crossed it off. Wipe the off of your feet. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we're going for it. But Beautiful yeah, you, place, though. Yes. And honestly, it's made a huge impact. You asked about mentors before I went on a tangent. There's been some amazing pastors and leaders that have poured into my life. There's one guy in particular that eight years ago... God really prompted him to come and reach out to me And I'd actually asked a lot of people To mentor me And it hadn't gone well And what I learned actually from the experience is that If you feel like you want somebody to mentor you Go to them, ask them And then be persistent Don't think that you asking them is enough You need to keep staying present in their life Because people are busy yeah. And I didn't do that. I would ask, yep. and then I wouldn't follow up.
0: You expect the, all the burden to be on the totally, mentor to mentor 100%. you rather than I like, pursuing oh, they didn't do anything. So good.
1: Very true. You know, but with Mike, it's really been this reciprocal relationship where, yes, he has invested in me. But man, I'm calling him multiple times a week. I mean, I bet we talk every day, every other day. And so it's more intense than most, but we used to meet once a week and then our friendship and relationship has just grown where and he knows the things to ask me about. He knows when I'm high or when I'm low and we pray together. And, uh, and it's been a, a huge blessing. It's awesome. So that's really a personal in my life. And then I've had a number of others that are probably more at a distance, but have spoken into my life. You know, yeah. ministry leaders. And, you know, I was with Ravi Zacharias last week. And, and Josh McDowell has really had an impact on me. And actually, my dad came to Christ at a Josh McDowell rally in oh, college. Wow. And so a number of these guys, Luis Palau, others, that I would say are doing the kind of thing that I want to do. And I want to be in my seventies or eighties and still faithful like they are. Yes. And so those guys are important to me as like, man, I, I pray to God that I can be like that one day and people can Google me and not find out about a scandal, you right, know, right. and I've just been faithful to the gospel. I did try to
0: Google you here and I have not seen one
1: scandal yet. So yeah, yeah. I'm just going to say that that's There's good. There's some interesting things about uh, <laughs> working with the
0: Catholic church, though. <laughs> So let me ask you this. You have these experience of working with really just some tremendous Christian thought leaders, pastors, evangelists. You've also been able to work with a lot of Christian music artists. And those guys get elevated a lot, especially among a younger generation, which you spend a lot of time with. And I'm not asking you to out anybody in the music <laughs> industry, but I know just because I'm around a lot of influencers as well as a pastor, that people will kind of lean on you and look for support from you. And these guys that are on the road all the time, I know it can get really dry and kind of feel like a desert and it looks all cool when they're on the stage, yeah. but there's a lot of hard work and a lot of loneliness that goes in there away from their families. How has God used you to maybe minister to some of those guys through things like being around winter jam or some of these music for festivals? Sure.
1: Yeah, I mean I've been like a tour pastor and a road pastor a lot of times. I'll do devotions and try to provide things even when I'm at a festival and and there's a number of guys and you know just folks that I'm texting with regularly, asking how they're doing, praying for them, trying to give encouragement or speak into their life as much as possible. Honestly, I think it's a real flaw of the industry and the way that we've handled it is, I mean, I, these are missionaries, you know, right. and, and you don't go as a missionary without prayer support. You don't go without an accountability team. You don't go Church without whatever. you. Totally. And yet these artists, the only one backing them is a, is a label. And it's like, hey, keep going and keep singing from the bottom of your heart the same song a hundred times and mean it, you know. <laughs> And be away from your family 150 nights a year, and I mean, it's super destructive. Yeah, and so I really encourage them. Like, man, who is in your life? Where are your prayer support? You should have a prayer team because I do. You know, our team does, and people would expect it of me as a minister. But for some reason, we don't put the same standards on these artists, even though that's what they're doing. Is they're out doing their best to minister, they're trying, they're struggling with the same things we are. They're shaping theology through music, you know, a lot of times. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's why it's so important that they have people in their lives. Maybe you and I can spearhead all Christian record labels everywhere, adding a pastor to their staff just to minister to their artists. I know that those guys would be real blessed, you know, by that. Even though that's not in place in a lot of these labels, I'm sure it's made a big impact in their life by having somebody like you around, you know, being able to speak into them. So kudos, kudos to you on that. So we have a few minutes left. Talk to me a little bit about your book, Reset
1: yeah well reset is uh man it's been a fifteen year journey of feeling like God was leading me to write and just super excited about kind of the book and the message. I think it's really something that would encourage anyone i mean it's it's really the story of how God used this group of students. And uh, how it started this movement. You know, we've been seeing people come to Christ all over. But really what the story's about is it's about people who are surrendered to God and how God can use anybody. Mm-hmm. And so I think, man, if you're looking for some encouragement, if you're looking for some hope, if you're looking for uh, some excitement about that God is moving in our day, Reset is that. It also gets really practical talking about these issues. I mean, as I traveled, we started to give this message of Reset that God's offering a second chance. What we found is that hundreds of thousands of people were coming and coming to God with specific things they were struggling with, but it seemed like there were themes. And so what we did is we took uh, several hundred thousand of these, we categorized them, and basically then wrote a chapter on each of these seven main themes. So it's, there's a chapter on resetting my faith. You know, our faith gets stale. It gets old. We yeah. go through the motions. That reset needs to start with us. There's a chapter on resetting my self-image, you know, so many of us see ourselves the way the world does and think of ourselves in ways that aren't honoring to God. And so it's like, man, what does that look like to have a true reset of who we are I'm reset my plans, the one right. I personally struggle with, right? It's like, yeah. I'm willing to give up actually my idea of what's best for me to realize that there's somebody who has way better. And that's kind of what the book's about, um, It's been awesome to hear the stories coming back from across the country and around the world and really just excited about the message and encourage people to pick it up.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you very much for being with us today. Where can people find out more about you?
1: Yeah, well, just uh, social media, you know, Nick Hall or Nick Hall Pulse, multiple channels there, and then just PulseMovement.com is our website, so you can find out more.
0: Books available, bookstores everywhere?
1: Bookstores everywhere, Amazon, you know,
0: wherever else you want to go. Awesome. Nick, thank you so much for being here with us today. And I look forward to having you back on in the future. Thanks, Lucas. Thanks. If you haven't had a chance to pick up a copy of my book, Good God, the one we want to believe in but are afraid to embrace, I want to encourage you to do so. It's available wherever books are sold, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, you name it. You can find Good God there. So grab a copy. You can also always get a copy at lucasmiles.org. And after you read it, I'd love to hear from you. If you liked it, hate it, shoot me a message. Let's stay in touch and make sure and keep visiting lucasmiles.org. That's all I have for you for today, but make sure and head over to iTunes and download the Lucas Miles Show and head over to faithwire.com where you can always get the Lucas Miles Show exclusively there and listen to our newest episode. We have all sorts of exciting guests, so check it out, the Lucas Miles Show.